Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz right here on TuneIn, Google Cast, Player FM. Apple Podcasts, and on the largest platform in radio, which is iHeartRadio, and Block Talk Radio as always. Your host, Oscar Lopez here, episode 292 in the house. Today, we have the exciting pioneer of Los Angeles Temptation, which is Daniel Harvey in the house. We're going to talk Legends Cup, what happened at the Legends Cup this year, and then we're going to talk about her career, uh, sort of a retirement for her now, moving on to other things. What uh, an excellent uh, career she's had with Los Angeles, multiple championships. On top of that, uh, long-tenured uh, LFL athlete. So we'll be in the house with uh, Daniel Harvey. She'll be coming in here in about 15 minutes in the No Joke Football Huddle, uh, sponsored by Zazzle.com. If you guys haven't uh, heard the news yet, uh, if you got in the hub, uh, we are unveiling a brand-new apparel line, brand-new logos, brand-new everything as we launch October 2019 as we elevate our game once again for our 10th anniversary of our apparel brand. Uh, if you didn't know we had an apparel brand, you do now. And if you don't go to the hub often, you probably didn't realize it either. So you can go to the hub every week, uh, weekly updates, stories, as you can get the lowdown of what's happening in the women's game internationally all over the globe, as we have the best network on the planet, bar none, that covers women's American football on all social media platforms. So really, really proud to say that. Thank you to everybody that networks with me that does their diligence and gives us information. Uh, we are covering Costa Rica. We are in Austria. We are in Czech, the Czech Republic. We are in Brazil. And on top of that, we are obviously covering everything else in between. So thanks to everybody that networks with us because you have created the best network on the planet, bar none, that covers Women's American Football Weekly. And where do you go? You go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauties. I uh, want to get to 10,000. We are close to 7,500. So share your posts, share the stories, invite everybody to the hub so they can stay up to date on everything that's happening in the women's game. Uh, and so uh, kicking it off this week, uh, NFL week three, a lot of excitement on Thursday night, Monday night, Sunday night, and of course, college football as we always get into these last three months we are going to be talking all that plus we are going to be recapping some of the things that are happening in the women's game in about an hour or 15 minutes and that's going to be gridiron queensland gridiron new south wales uh as well as i talked earlier the czech republic austria brazil so let's bring in our uh the return of troy wilson to the podcast finally after a little hiatus here kind of crazy hiatus and we are going to be talking to uh the WFA All-Star Holly Custis as well. So she makes her live return today. So, uh, guys, how's it going today? Good, well, how are you? Man. Good to be back. I'm doing great. Man. Yeah, welcome back, Troy. Uh, you've been missed very much. Uh, a lot of messages of where you are, where you've been. Well, I appreciate it, man. It's just good to be back and good to be back here talking football. So I missed you guys a lot, man. You know, a lot of lots been going on since, um, you know, I had to take a little bit of a break. So 
Uh, it's good to catch back up with you guys, man. Seriously. All right. Uh, Holly, uh, pretty nice uh, recap last week for college football. Let's start there. Um, so, Holly, uh, what did you think of my Bruins, huh? Awesome, huh? Wow. That was one of the craziest games I think I've ever seen. And it was really interesting because I started watching about the second quarter and then Washington State started pulling away. And then I kept checking my phone. And I was like, oh, my God, I got I to gotta turn this back on. So I turned it back on, and that was insane. I really honestly feel like uh, Washington State's style of offense kind of lit a fire underneath UCLA a little bit offensively. And so I think it was a great game. It's a great win for your team. Um, and it was one of the best games I, I've seen in a while. Yeah, I don't know. I was I was with you. I would uh, went to do some errands and I didn't think twice about it. And then I looked at the score. It was thirty five seventeen, I think it was, before the half. And then I'm like, okay, we're we're gonna get, you know, we're gonna lose. That's it. And then I turn around and uh, one of my buddies at the grocery store says, hey, uh, your your team is about to win. And I'm like, no way. Get, you know, get out of here. And then I looked at my phone. And I'm like, oh, ho- what is this? A prayer? <laughs> A prayer. <laughs> Yeah, I really feel like, um, you know, Washington-style air raid type offense is very up-tempo. And so you, you have a couple of different strategies on, on how to handle it. But I think UCLA got to the point where Chip Kelly was like, screw it, we're, we're just going to go for it. And so it seemed like that style of up-tempo, we're just going to go for it, is exactly what uh, DTR and uh, the the Bruins needed. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what they do going forward. But I honestly feel like it kind of saved your fan base and maybe Chip Kelly's job for a little bit to have that kind of win. So it's awesome. Troy, any other game besides my lame game there that with the big win? Well, I wanted to talk about that game uh, really quick uh, because one of the things that I think the UCLA Bruins are coming away from is – you guys have a star now, man. I mean, Dimitri Felton, when was the last time you've seen an explosive athlete like that at UCLA? I can't even think um, back that far since they've had a guy like maybe Maurice Jones-Drew. Um, but that kid, man, you get him in space, you can flat out forget about it. I mean, you get him the ball in space, and that's what Chip Kelly does. That's what he does, you know, the best. He, he figures a way to get his athletes the ball out in space, and 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 he really did that pretty well against them. I mean, look, Washington State's not really known for their defense. They're known for the same thing Chip Kelly is, and that's for putting the ball up in the air. Mike Leach is a genius at doing that, so I figured it was going to be a shootout. But I really thought that um, Washington State was going to run away with that one. That was just, that was just an incredible game. Uh, but one of the games that I wanted to talk about um, – was the the Michigan uh, Wisconsin game? Listen, the 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 experiment with Jim Harbaugh is just really starting to go bad. Um, in in the past, what do you years, mean? Often, what do you mean? This is this guy's this guy's the the savior. Yeah, we all thought that, you know, especially him <laughs> being a Michigan man, and and look, he's recruited well over the years. I mean, you know, no one's really complaining about the recruits that he has in there, but for some reason especially on the offensive side of the ball, they couldn't get the, they couldn't get anything rolling. And that's, that's pretty much been the same thing this year, even though they rolled out this new offense. But now you've taken a step back with the defense. I mean, the defense hasn't played well. You looked anemic in your first game. The second game, 
you played against Army and you thought maybe it was just a triple option. But Wisconsin just went out there and just took it to them right right up the gut the entire game. They just ran the ball and ran the ball. And when they felt like they could throw the ball too, they couldn't stop a soul out there. And it's really going to be hard for Michigan going forward to see, you know, to to compete in the Big Ten. I mean, look, you had some people who were saying – uh, you had a, a possible Heisman Trophy candidate. They said this is going to be the year that Michigan uh, wins the Big Ten because they haven't won it uh, ever since you started this Big Ten championship game that they usually play um, at the end of the year. And Michigan hasn't won it yet. And Michigan is supposed to be the blue one of the blue blood programs in the Big Ten, and they just flat out haven't gotten it done. And right now the roster that they have and the way that they're playing, it doesn't look like that. And then the other side, Wisconsin, man, they look like they're just ready to take it over. I mean, look, Jonathan Taylor is already – he was already one of the, 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 the Heisman um, – uh, one of the Heisman front runners coming into the season. He goes against Michigan, and they – you know, their their defense had a lot of publicity, and he just completely shredded them. And, and look, it made it even worse. He didn't even play most of the second quarter in the sec- – and, and, and he played sparingly in the second half and still ended up with over th- – with 203 yards. Uh, rushing for that team. So, look, Wisconsin looks scary. Michigan does not. Uh, I think Wisconsin right now, they're in the catbird seat as far as getting the chance to, to play for the Big Ten title. Their division, I mean, they look like heading above beyond everybody in that division. They're going to have to compete a little bit with Michigan State, but I really like what Wisconsin is doing right now. Holly, what do we say of uh, SMU? It's a first foreign all start since 86. So, they're the tricking into the polls at this point with that victory over uh, TCU. Yeah, I think it it was a great win for SMU to be a top 25 program on the road like that. Uh, It's a little early in the season to to say exactly how far they're going to go, but that is definitely an attention-getting win for them on the road. So uh, I definitely think uh, we should look out for them to be in uh, bowl contention, you know, it's too early to say how many wins they'll get, but I definitely think they're they're going to end up in some sort of mediocre to mid-range bowl game at this point. All right. What's another game that you uh, were uh, focusing on this weekend, Holly? Uh, so a couple of games. Um, I would say probably uh, USC uh, upsetting Utah was a big deal in the Pac-12. Uh, yeah, I you know, saw USC, that. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, USC uh, got knocked down just about a week ago, and then so it was really interesting to see how they were going to respond to that. Then they uh, end up playing a Utah team that, similar to Michigan, everybody thought this is Utah's year, and the Pac-12, there's the Pac-12's last hope for the playoffs. It was Utah, Utah, Utah. And then USC was down to their third-string quarterback. And that uh, was going up against the defensive front in Utah that is is really good. And the problem for Utah is that the defensive front is really good, but then they have a whole lot of holes. And then they're starting uh, running back was also out, so that hurt them offensively. Um, but the the quarterback that they had in Huntley is he's been in kind of uh, in spots for them when they've had their starter go down. And he's very scrappy, but he's not the best decision-making quarterback out there. And so I think what you saw between the two teams is the difference in talent, where Utah has the talent up front on the defensive side. USC has more talent 
uh, as far as the entire field. And so USC, that's a big win for them because now they're in, you know, trying to be in the driver's seat in the Pac-12 South uh, with uh, ASU losing this last weekend. So don't, you know, count out USC in making a run towards the end of this year. Yeah. Um, I, uh, Troy, what do we say of uh, Auburn? Auburn, I think, uh, just did just barely win against Texas A&M. So that was a interesting game that I also was watching. So they, they basically edged Texas A&M. So it was a good battle there, number eight against 17. Yeah, I mean, look, Auburn is, came into the season looking to be pretty strong, and they look to compete um, in the SEC South, especially against – they're trying to keep pace with Alabama. And, look, they had the chops to do it. They can run the football. They have a lot of the athletes that, that uh, Alabama has, similar athletes to them, and they can play defense. They can run the football. And that's really what you need in the SEC to compete. And, look, these guys can play. And you knew it was going to be a tough contest against Texas A&M. They're a good football team, and they also showed that as well. Uh, but you know what? I wasn't surprised with the outcome. Uh, it's really going to be a tough test for all of these SEC teams now that they all got their cupcakes out of the way and you're going to start getting into the rigors of the SEC schedule. So a lot of these things are going to play out uh, pretty well, and Auburn really wasn't a surprise. Uh, but one of the other games that I was very intrigued about was the biggest game, which was University of Georgia and Notre Dame coming into town for that big game. I mean, we saw what happened two years ago where Georgia went up to – uh, to uh, South Bend, and they they edged the the Golden Dormers up there, and that was going to be this was supposed to be the rubber match. Notre Dame still hasn't beaten Georgia. Uh, Notre Dame was coming into this game having problems on defense, but Georgia also um, their defense wasn't playing very well either. But it looked it was a great contest with, with both of those. Georgia ended up coming out at the end, uh, twenty three to seventeen. I really think that Georgia. Is, is keeping an eye on Alabama because that's been a thorn in their side the past two seasons. And they are really trying to keep pace with them as well, just the same as Auburn is. But I think Georgia has done enough right now beating the number seven team in, in, the, in the nation right now to possibly be considered to be the number one team in the land. Alabama hasn't played anyone yet. Clemson hasn't played anyone yet as well. And I think Georgia right now has earned what I will believe will be the number one spot. So I, and right now I will put Georgia as the number one team in the, in the nation. Holly, let's uh, finish up here. Uh, Texas edges Oklahoma State. Um, so there was a kind of a scary mode, you know, for, for Texas there, but they do get the win. So that was a pretty good uh, a matchup as well. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Considering that Texas just lost uh, a competitive game with LSU, Texas right now is kind of a – a dark horse to get into that playoff race. Uh, unfortunately for them, they're going to have to get through Oklahoma to, to get into that conversation for real. But right now what they need to do is just focus on what they can control, which is beating who's on their schedule. So outlasting Oklahoma State, who's always uh, pretty competitive, is a big win for them. And they're going to have to make sure to take care of business every week and not get ahead of themselves, which is easy for these teams that are in Texas's range right now. It's easy for those people that look ahead and, and uh, at the big games and then they'll trip up over the smaller games. So it's important that you keep focus each and every week and let everything else take care of itself. So we'll see what happens with them. But I think uh, I think they're playing well. It's the best I've seen them play in a few years. So it, it, they have definitely have a shot. 
All right, guys. Um, so we're going to go back to college, fo- college football at this point, and then uh, we'll recap the NFL right after we talk to the uh, pioneer and legendary L.A. Temptation uh, in the huddle, which is Daniel Harvey. So let's bring her in here. Let's dive in to the Knowledge of Football Huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. You go to Zazzle.com for slash Great and Beauties, get up to 15% off, uh, get everything there, shirts, leggings, accessories, gifts, everything you need. Go to Zazzle.com for slash Great and Beauties. And we are going to be talking right now to the L.A. Temptation, and that would be our pioneer and legendary temptation, uh, Daniel Harvey. Daniel, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for inviting me. I believe me you're on the, the go. Are you on the go? I am, and I am now not anymore. Oh, no worries. Um, I just don't want to get you into an accident or something talking to us. Oh, no, not at all. I am situated. Uh, uh, what happened in Seattle? That's the question everybody's asking. Oh, man. Uh, Seattle was really tough. Um, I'm sure the fans thought it was really tough to watch as it was extremely tough to be on the field. Um, honestly, we weren't prepared as if we thought we were. Um, Seattle came out with a whole different game plan as far as their plays, and uh, we weren't prepared to – uh, stop these plays, and we didn't have um, appropriate coaching on the sideline to adjust, make adjustments during the game. So ultimately, um, we just, we, the LA Temptation, if you were watching, it looked like we ran out of gas towards the end of the season, and we just weren't prepared for Seattle. Seattle had a far better game plan than us. Um, some stuff on the other end, in my opinion, is we got cheated by the refs. Uh, the game before when we played Austin in our playoff game, I have a clip of our quarterback, Ashley Salerno, asking the referee, can we uh, quarterback sneak it in the red zone? The answer was no. He said no. No, you cannot get in the red zone and quarterback sneak it. They scored almost every single touchdown like that in the championship. So, well, yeah. Do you think, <laughs> do you think it was just basically not prepared enough? Because it looked like Mo really was that frustrated. I mean, she came out the same way you just said, where the adjustments weren't there, and they were just sticking to their game plan. And you know Michelson was just going to just pour it on once oh, it man. became so apparent, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. Michelson is a genius when it comes to this LFL game. And, um, yeah, the, the moment he's seen any type of blood, you know, of course, he's like a shark in the water. He's going to go ahead and go straight after it and, that play was working. It just was. Uh, Mo was frustrated. I was frustrated. Any other uh, player on our defense was extremely frustrated, as I'm sure the offense was extremely frustrated. I didn't play any offense in the championship game, so um, I didn't get that feel out there on the field for that. But they weren't scoring, so I, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure they were frustrated as well. It just – I. it wasn't the L.A. temptation that traveled to Seattle. Ultimately, that's what it felt like. Um, Danielle, you've played against Snor, you've played against Norton, you've played against all, everybody on the other side, Randall, everybody, all of them very talented, just like yourself. Uh, so they, they, mm-hmm. you know, they're competitive. They're competitive. And once, oh, like sure. you said, once they, once they smell blood, they're just mm-hmm. going to keep, you know, what's working and, and just take care of it. So that's really what yeah, it boiled okay. down to really. For sure. Um, yeah, they're, they're excellent players. All the girls you named, I've been out of play against them for a few years, and 
they're, you know, um, a combination of a great coach and great athletes. Yeah, you, you're destined for great things like they won the 10th season, you know. And, you know, kudos to them, like I said. Um, it's it's awesome that they did what they did, but very frustrating on this end for it to be the last and the end for me, you know, for that to have been my last game. That's uh, extremely frustrating, so. Danielle, um, I, I want to start, though, because that was kind of like the downer for you because we all expected a com- more competitive game and, all, and yeah. everything else. But you played, you know, you played your heart out. Uh, you've been on championship teams, you know, 2010 to 2012. You're, you're on the other side as well where you guys were dominant early when you had yourself and Mo and uh, Chitindo and you had, you know, Salerno. Everybody was dialed when you had Bizzub and, and, and uh, Tui. So you understand mm-hmm. the other side like that. Once you take advantage of it, you got to take advantage of it. Oh, for sure. I definitely do. We were, me coming on the team, we were a dominant team. And um, I think that's a lot of the frustration, too, is just trying to return to that dominant team all these years has been extremely tough. Every season it's been one missing piece or the other, you know. Um, Most of the time we've had the athletes, so that hasn't been the issue. But there's been other missing pieces, you know, um, like I said, throughout the years. And, it just, I mean, I, I was happy to make it back to the dance for sure. Like you said, I just really wish it would have been more competitive. So. Right. All right, Danielle, um, let's start with you. Uh, you came into the NFL, you know, a lot of criticism because of the uniform, because of the style of play, whatever. Uh, you obviously have already encountered that, right? Right. You guys, you had success with sure. a lot of talented players on your team, you know, Mo, uh, Tessa. Uh, Stephanie, there's a lot of a lot of talented players around you uh, during the high years, in, um, in in the LA Temptation. So, you know now the rebrand and everything going forward. Where do you see uh, Legends Football League going from here since you departure now? You know, it's um, you always expect something major the season after, just because things you're kind of told during the season. Oh, this is going to happen next year, this year. Legends Cup was actually supposed to be played in South Africa this year. So um, I had hopes of that happening at the end of this season, the beginning of the last season. So honestly, um, I see the next season being the same. I I mean, I I don't see any change coming up this next season. Uh, Just a great group of athletes continue to compete on uh, the eight teams that the LFL has. Danielle, um, we talked to Stevie, we've talked to Shay. Um, wh- how do you want to be remembered at this point? If we had to kind of put a nutshell, how would you like the fans to remember you by? That That is an awesome question. And I really haven't even thought about <laughs> that question. So um, off the top of my head, I want the fans to remember me as one of the, like, bullies on my team like not bully as in mean on the team but when you needed someone to do something put someone in a position someone got injured you put one of the bullies in the position and it's a utility player you can play her anywhere um I want them to remember that I played with heart every down every game I I um sacrificed everything I had for the girls I played with and just to play the sport that I absolutely love and I still love it to this day I just um you know, you got to get to where you move on from playing. I've been playing for uh, eight seasons, so it's just time. Danielle, how did you stay so uh, 
so healthy. Is it the same way as Shay? Because uh, you're a trainer and you kind of focus on yourself as well and what it takes to, uh, you know, maintain yourself at a high level without major injury? Uh, I've had a couple major injuries. I had uh, ACL surgery after Guatemala's game. Um, and then uh, 2013, when we played the Pacific Cup versus Seattle, I fractured my kneecap. Um, so, I mean, these those injuries were super, you know, bad timing and whatnot, but it did take me through PT, which did teach me in a sense uh, how to take care of my body a little bit better. But rehab, PT, um, just being an athlete, in my opinion, is how I've still been able to go because, I don't think any regular girl could just play in this league and sustain the hits and injuries that me and, you know, my former colleagues have and continue to show up to play. So uh, just sheer luck and will. <laughs> it sounds like you've, uh, you know, endured some, some really uh, hard times as well, but you've always been able to show up. I think that's where LA fans are going to remember you. Always there for the, you know, yeah. to pick off the play get into the gaps, really, you know, force the punches. Uh, so, you've, you know, you've been a stellar even before, you know, this season. Obviously, we remember the, the 2010 to 2012 Daniel Harvey in the championship mode, and, and that's always exciting mm-hmm. with the highlights and everything else. So that's a, a great, uh, you know, ending for you in terms of your career because that's what we remember most is, you know, the highlight of your careers. Uh, but you stuck it out, and you, you've always supported the, the team to try to get to another level. And I think fans will also appreciate the fact that you have been kind of a veteran to kind of keep the team to uh, to stay at a high level. Mm-hmm. I definitely um, appreciate that. I Yeah, temptation nation forever. That's the one thing that had never changed. I wouldn't uh, switch over and play for another team or anything. So I appreciate all the loyal fans from season to season. We've got – a great uh, um, fan base out of the Inland Empire. And, you know, even if we promote on social media, this group of people, they show up. They're not the people that follow us on Facebook or Instagram. These are people that live in the community, and they rock for their L.A. Temptation women. So I appreciate them. All right, Danielle, I'm going to have a Troy, big LFL fan here, kind of pick your brain, then we'll have Holly finish up on the interview here. But, uh, let's, uh, Troy, uh, awesome. Daniel Harvey, legend and pioneer. Hey, Daniel, how's it going? It's wonderful, Troy. How are you? Doing well, doing well. wanted to go back a little bit to the um, the game against Austin. I, I was really intrigued by that, especially with your, your comment that said that you wanted to be remembered as a bully. And that's what I kind of saw in that game. I mean, so, you know, with yourself and Mo Gax and Sherry Awaga, um, you guys, you guys were the key in that game. I mean, y'all played against some serious stalwarts out there on that top right defense. You guys had a, they had a great defensive line, but you guys controlled the line of scrimmage pretty much the entire game. I mean, you guys really had some tough, gritty play. I mean, it was really a beauty to watch. I mean, you guys ran the ball over 50 times. Um, Mariah Lopez, she, she showed up out there and, and, look, at the end of it, and I was sitting there saying that when I was watching, I said, man, that offensive line is killing it. And at the end of the game, she gave you guys all the love. She said, you know, you guys yeah. are the one opening up the hole. So, that's the type, is that the type of slugfest style of uh, game that you would prefer? Oh, for sure. All day, every day. Um, everybody 
following doing their assignment, it, it was pretty awesome afterwards to realize how um, successful the offensive line was. You know, that's not something that comes together every game. And I think it was the um, fact that me, myself, you know, myself, Sherry Awaga, and Monique Gax are close for friends, and we've been playing for season after season, you know, and it, it, it came together in Austin. Uh, we didn't want to feel the way we felt when we played in Austin. So we came ready, suited and booted <laughs> to play against Austin. And uh, I was really proud of us as a whole unit. Like, And, um, yeah, we protected our quarterback. So it, it was pretty awesome. And like you said, the defensive line, they, they're some big, strong girls. So it wasn't an easy task. Yeah, I was really fascinated by that game. Um, and, and, you know, did that game plan – um, did you guys try to use or have a similar mindset uh, going into the game in Seattle? I mean, because, look, you guys were a huge underdog against Austin. You guys overcame that. You were a huge underdog against Seattle. And, you know, so did you guys have that same mindset going into that game that you were just going to try to out-physical that team? I would say we we really thought we were prepared. We watched film and – you know, all-star, uh, Michelson showed up with his A game, and he switched it up. Like, you know, um, although, you know, it, it's not hard to figure out, oh, they're going to do quarterback sweep up the middle of CVs and shotgun or CVs in the backfield and KK's not in. They're going to come up the middle. You know, it's just a matter of a coach being able to say, okay, we need to make this, this, and this adjustment in order to fix it. Uh, a couple adjustments that were even put into play, it just – when they didn't work, you could see it probably on everyone's face on the field, like the disappointment, the, the discouragement. The, we didn't, we, you know, we were looking for someone to fix something for us, and we didn't come into the game, you know, with at least enough for possibly even to be fixed. It just, it was a bad game plan. We weren't ready. We just weren't. And you know what? Stand with the temptation. I wanted, I wanted to ask you some ask you a question about that. This will be my last question. Look, Mariah Lopez, Mighty Mouse. She comes in. She's the she's the MVP of the league. You guys have to had to have been looking at, at this like, man, you know, LA Temptation going forward. This, this it looks bright. The future looks really bright. You got to be tempted a little bit to come back next year, don't you? Just a little bit. <laughs> You know, I um I honestly I I need a few things to change on the roster completely. Not not player wise at all and just it, it, yeah, it's tempting. I love football, but I I I got to move on from football. I want to go to Jamaica. <laughs> I don't want every weekend of my life to be Oh, practice. And, and I love it. And I've loved it for the last several years. It's just no freedom. So it's time. Understood. <laughs> hey, but look, you know what? The legacy that I have is that I saw one of the toughest ladies out there playing the game. I loved watching you play that game. You look like you were Thank having you. a whole lot of fun. Anytime I could see someone playing uh, the game of football and they're playing in a tough way and they're also enjoying themselves, you know, hitting mm-hmm. people in the face. I kind of enjoy stuff like that. So I'm definitely going to be a fan of yours. And if you do decide to come back, I'm definitely going to be there, and we definitely want to have you back on the show whether you do or not. So we definitely appreciate your efforts, girl. Thank you so much, Joy. I appreciate it. You got it.
Hey, Hi, how's Holly. it going? It's Holly. <laughs> Hi, Holly. Hey, uh, so just for the people that don't know, uh, what got you into football? Oh, man. Um, I've always loved football. I uh, went out in high school and tried to play with the boys and my team, but uh, we had a coach who was like a dad up at the high school, and basically he pointed me in the direction across country and said, get off my field. So I wasn't mm-hmm. allowed to play in high school, which really sucked. So when I heard about the LFL, um, there was also another full padded league, and this tryout came up first. I went to try out mm-hmm. this girl who was like five foot nothing. This is back when they had San Diego's team, and it's called the San Diego mm-hmm. Production. She knocked the wind out of me, and ever since that moment, I was like, Coach, teach me how to lay my shoulder in her chest or her stomach like that to knock the wind out of girls bigger than me. And it just, right. I've always loved football, so awesome. I figured my way That's out into cool. it. <laughs> Thanks. And uh, what is the biggest challenge? Uh, been for you this season overall overall I would have to go back to coaching um Mm -hmm. being such a vet in this league I feel like I understand the game a lot better than a first year coach to come into a league and um hey ladies do this do that it's not like any other type of football LFL is in its own lane when it comes to scheme and and setup and you know, just knowing how to be out there on the field seven-on-seven versus 11-on-11. So one of my Mm -hmm. biggest challenges was being at a level to where I feel like, of course, there's more I can learn. I can always learn more, but I feel like I was kind of uh, put a cap on this this season. I didn't learn very much. So that was my biggest challenge. That makes sense. If you play yeah. long enough, like like you have and I have as well, like you get to a point where if you're not being challenged, it, it takes some of mm-hmm. the fun out of it. So I get it. Right. Um, and uh, <laughs> what's been one of your fondest memories of your career, would you say? Or is there a couple that you could pick from? Oh, man. Okay, yeah. Definitely uh, lingerie bowl 2011-2012. Uh, we got to stay in mm-hmm. Vegas pretty much like a week. And uh, – my roommate was Ashley Salerno, and we just – we had such a ball that week, going to practice, saying right. – it just really felt awesome, like, being able to be like, this is what we're doing here. We're playing football, not worried about our 9 to 5, working those 40 hours during the week at home. We were just football players, and it just felt amazing, you know? Um, then there's also been multiple trips. Last summer I took a trip with a lot of the rookies and uh, some of the vets, especially Sherry Awaga. We flew out to Vegas, and we had a ball. We just, you know, these girls are amazing, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> just the experience with the girls has been my best experiences. Oh, I, I completely can relate to that. It's it's all about the connections with the people that you meet. That, that's the best part of it, in my opinion. That's awesome. For I'm sure. so thankful that uh, you were able to come on. Um, you know, I think uh, you've been a great player, and, and if you end up you. if you end up not coming back, I think it's going to be a big uh, big pain for for the temptations going forward. Definitely a big hole there. Um, but going forward, you mentioned you're going to Jamaica. Is that just like a trip? Are you moving to Jamaica? What are your future plans? <laughs> I I want to travel. Um, I joined the dating site. Um, I am just trying to do everything social outside of 
I'm sorry, I'm too tired. I've been at football for three hours hitting this oh. morning. I cannot go out. Yeah. <laughs> so You're I'm like half of my out. life right I'm now. A, exactly. I'm getting out. I'm, I'm traveling. I'm setting a trip up. I'm just, yeah, a trip to Jamaica. I'm not moving, but that is one of my, you know, fantasy destinations. So living life is my plan. Well, definitely you should enjoy that. Take lots of pictures. And, and if you want to, you know, send us some postcards, that's cool. But whatever you end up doing, we'll be following you. And I, I hope that you uh, have the best life ever. And then if you ever do want to come back and coach or anything else, we'll be watching you as well. That's yeah, so awesome, Lee. Thank you, you guys. I really appreciate all the You're kind awesome. words. and <laughs> It means a lot. No Danielle, problem. Back um, to you, Oscar. <laughs> are you going to Mexico? Are you playing in the Mexico <laughs> game or not? Um, it's, I, I'm waiting to figure out um, who's going to coach, and then I'm going to make a decision. So there may be one more LFL game. I just want to have a good competitive game. I don't want to go out there and have another experience like Seattle. That that sure. would be fun. So, yeah, something there. So you're so we're pending an announcement of whether you you all show up in Mexico City in a month. Yes, correct. Yep. I, I guess. But I'm I guess I'll training, have to wait. I'll, so. I'll have to wait for your Instagram story if it ever shows up, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll, just, I'll give you guys a little scoop if I do decide to travel. I'll send you a message. All right. Uh, Danielle, it's been a pleasure. I wanted to bring you on to give you your due. Uh, one of the probably the best uh, known athletes, you know, to stay, to, you know, set foot on LFL stage and uh, especially in Los Angeles sensation history. So I, I think a lot of fans appreciated your play, uh, your tenacity, intensity, as Troy was saying, your grit and your attitude. Um, so a lot of fans are going to, you know, really miss watching you on game day. But uh, I'm pretty sure you'll be around on game days, too, probably just in stands now. For sure. Definitely going to watch my girls. So thank you, guys. Thank you for the kind words. Seriously. It means a lot. All right, Danielle. Safe travels. Uh, we're looking forward to your new adventures. And then hopefully we'll see you in Mexico City. So we'll see. Yeah, we definitely will see. Thank you, guys. You have a wonderful night. Thanks for the invite. It's been wonderful. Bye. Have a safe, have a safe travel. Good night. Okay. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye. Good night. All right, guys. Uh, there you go. Danielle Harvey, uh, one of the longest-tenured LFL athletes since, like, 2009, almost eight years. Uh, the league's 10 years old. So she started, I think, in 2010, 2011. So two-time uh, two uh uh, LFL champion. And uh, of course the ending in Seattle wasn't something she was looking forward to. She wanted the Stevie Snore send off, right. With, with the league MVP and the trophy at the end, but it, it doesn't always happen that way. No, sometimes you, know, you, you envision it going out like that, but you can only control what you can control. But, you know, she's definitely had a really long uh, story career um, and so, you know, I, I think even though it didn't end the way that she wanted, uh, I think she still had a great career. All one right, guys, let's talk. Is that one thing I got from her is she, she, wanted, she, she wants to win. And that's the biggest yeah. thing. Like, you can hear the disappointment as far as, like, how it turned out. And, and I know it's biting at her. So, and she's a competitor. So I, I can definitely understand where she's coming from on that one. But I do wish her the best. 
I think she's, you know, if she did decide to come back, I think it would be great. But, I, you know, sometimes when you feel like it's time to hang it up, it's time to hang it up. So, you know, Godspeed, and I hope she has success in whatever she does after this. All right, guys, uh, we're going to move on to NFL, and we'll dive in before the NFL here. Uh, I want to invite everybody to go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties. Get the low down there every week. Get the top stories from the best network on the planet that covers women's American football. And so uh, you can also get $15 to go play FanDuel uh, on, during the NFL season. Uh, click the link there. You get $15, sign up, and you can play FanDuel. Uh, plays are up to $0.25 cents to a dollar, you know, up to $10. However you want to play, uh, 15 bucks on us. Go to the hub at facebook.com for slash Beauties. Uh, Troy and Holly, I did announce earlier, uh, yesterday we, we made the announcement, our brand-new branding coming up uh, October 1st, uh, pre-teaser on Twitter. And then obviously you guys uh, were the first to see it. So we are like literally hyped up to try to get this new uh, thing going for the next season, which would be our 10th anniversary of our brand. Uh, so everybody here is excited and kind of doing a lot more work than we should be doing, but we are happy to do it. It takes like, you know, it's taken 12 months to get here, revisions and everything else. So I'm really happy how it turned out. So we'll see what the results are obviously on sales and everything else. But uh, I want to thank everybody in Europe for helping us out with sales. Um, if you haven't gone to the site, Go to the site. You can take up to 15% off. Use Zazzle Thanks as a code, Zazzle Thanks, and you get 15% off on there. So um, make sure you go there and check it out. Um, let's see, NFL, before we go NFL, um, Holly, uh, WNFC introduces transgender policy. So there's a lot of folks okay with it. Some folks were like, okay, probably needs to be tweaked even more. Uh, but overall, it was revised. And so there are some things that change and gives certain players an opportunity to participate in the WNFC. <clears throat> yes, uh, definitely. I, I feel like, um, you know, this is something that we've all been kind of waiting for as they uh, presented uh, a kind of generic but negative stance last year. And so everybody was interested to see if they were going to change it and if so, how they were going to change it. Um, so definitely it's way more thorough uh, as far as like the guidelines, either direction, if you're going uh, female to male or male to female. And it's one of these things that it's an issue that it doesn't just affect this league. This is a huge global sports issue. No matter which league you're in, no matter which sport, no matter if you're uh, in, in men's sports or women's sports, the transgender athlete, that's a hot topic right now. And so it's really tough to find the middle ground to find what is fair for as many people as possible. And so I think when you read through this note, which is, uh, I think they posted on Facebook, uh, if you read through it, it really tries to address as many of the points as possible. Um, now, is it perfect? I'm not sure. You know, it's one of those things that they may have to tweak as they go. But I think for me, I think it's a positive sign that they recognize that this is an issue and that they need to address it, especially considering that there's a lot of people that play the sport that have people that they know or are actually in the sport themselves that have uh, these type of things going on that they need to find out if they're able to play or not. 
And I think considering you're a female sport, you understand what it's like to try to, um, you know, try to play when people are telling you can't play. And so they're trying to be inclusive, but it's, it's, it's tough considering all the different ways that you could go with this. So again, I don't know if it's perfect yet, but that's the great thing about a policy is that they can tweak it next year and they can tweak it until they feel like they got it to a point where it makes the most people happy and makes the most sense for everybody. But, um, that's we're going to probably see what happens this next year to see if people uh, are able to meet these guidelines and come into the league. But I'm at least happy that they addressed it. So that's good. All right. The other bombshell that we had was uh, WNFC announces a shift in leadership. Uh, Brian Sewell is removing himself from the leadership executive group uh, due to some personal matters that he's taken up with his business and. So there was a um, article that was circulating through uh, Facebook and social media that was sent out to me and other folks, and no credibility from what I can tell. Uh, as far as I know, it was just an e- uh, SEC type of announcement. So I don't know if that's going to be you know reality at this point. Uh, I think O'Brien and Odessa addressed it on the uh, note that was put out by the WNFC. So at this point, um, Bryant Sewell will no longer be participating in any decision-making in the WNFC. It is uh, something that stepped away. So, Troy, it's just a, it's just a matter where if you're going to hurt a certain brand, you just you might as well just step away and deal with it on a legal end until everything's aired out. I mean, I, I would prefer to do it that way. I mean, that way you kind of just, you know, you take the spotlight off of, uh, the league and you know you just kind of step behind and handle your business behind the scenes I mean especially when it comes to litigious things like that you don't want to you know give any organization that you're working with a black eye because of some things that happen um, you know behind the scenes so I think it's a good thing to step down and, and just kind of take a step back and, and handle your business and you know hopefully it gets um, hashed out and, and they fix it uh, but yeah I think that's the, really the best decision when it comes down to it Holly, I think uh, Odessa uh, pretty much stated it that uh, they, you know, don't want any anything to hinder year, uh, season two, 2020, especially on the on the high from 2019. So I think it's a good move on both the the leadership group to just decide to part ways in this way until they've managed to you know situate one or the other. But going forward, uh, national tryouts are October 5th in the uh, WNFC. So. I think that's that was a great uh, move. I think. Yeah, I I definitely agree with Troy. I think it's like anything else in business. Like if you have several different things that you're working on, and one of those things has that kind of issue going on, it makes the most sense for everybody to to to, fo- to step away, focus on that, especially if it has you know no real bearing on this section that you're working on, which is the league especially if that's the case, and it makes the most sense to step away so that he can focus on that and that the league can focus on moving forward. And, um, you know, they announced their uh, new map of the, the different breakup of the, the teams this year. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, so we have some more teams more in the middle of the country a little bit. Um, so that should be really fun. Uh, and definitely they have the national tryouts October 5th, and I believe um, other teams are 
um, having additional tryouts, but this is like the main national tryout that they want to have all the teams have one on the same day. They get some momentum and some good uh, publicity. Um, so that should be really exciting. Troy, um, it's it's been one of those rides where, you know, great news year one. We don't want to hinder year two. So um, it's great teams coming over from the WFA. Um, you know, you were away for a while, but, you know, we have the East Coast Swing kind of filled up already, the Queens, Prodigy, the Phantoms. So if you look at the map, the WNFC map, as Holly pointed out here, um, it's pretty uh, – it's kind of a smile in a way, right? From California all the way down to New York, it's sort of like the WNFC in a smile. Yeah, and, and again, you know, when you start, you get momentum after your inaugural season. And, you know, you're moving in the right direction. There was a lot of, you know um, – there were some, some anxious moments, you know, before the season started. And, you know, a, a lot of people weren't sure exactly whether the league was going to succeed. And when you you see all the positive momentum that you had out there, again, you want to keep that. And anything, anytime you can try to stay away from, you know, scandal or any kind of black eye, I think that's just the best way to go about it. And, and it's exciting times with them. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how season two goes, especially with all the new additions. I think it just adds to the competition. And it's going it, to, I think it's really going to be good for women's football in general. And we've been kind of waiting for a league to come around that kind of um, uh, does it a little, a little bit better just from a business aspect of it. Um, you know, from, from the tackle leagues, uh, the women's football tackle leagues um, and sort of, kind of get to where they can be as competitive. The LFL, they have a little bit of an establishment right now, and you would like to see the WNFC or another league to do that. It looks like the WNFC is on their way to doing that. Well, um, Polly, WFA, pretty still here, kind of, you know, they're going to do their, uh, obviously, their ongoing tryout as, as per teams going here. They're, they don't have a national tryout date, but w, uh, WFAProFootball.com, you can go there. And it's going to be, I think, almost 80 teams this year in the WFA still that they brought on. Um, and so that's a, a massive amount of teams all the way across the country on top of the WNFC. Uh, so we're looking at over like 150, almost close to 150 teams just in those two leagues. Uh, so there should be a team where somebody can play on. Oh, definitely. And then there's a, a couple of smaller leagues as well. And so, I mean, anybody that ever asked me, um, I always find out where they're located, and then I usually will find the, the teams closest to them and say, here you go, because the, it's a great thing about our sport. We've, we've grown to the point where pretty much you can find a team within, you know, like an hour of you most in most locations across the country, if not multiple teams in some areas. So it's definitely a good problem to have that we have so much interest. So we'll see how everything shakes out as far as, um, the different leagues and who emerges as uh, the better teams and how the WFA um, handles uh, to see if they, you know, restructure the divisions or not. That will be really interesting, but we're definitely in that time of the season where teams have, for the most part, completed their switching back and forth between the leagues. So we'll see if there's any more that uh, happen, but I'm really interested to see what happens with the scheduling in the next couple of months here and see uh, who's actually going to play who in the regular season. All right. So Troy, let's go to week four. Um, 
it's a week four, week four here coming up. So we had uh, we had week three, which is no no difference here. Uh, Thursday night, and then we had Sunday night, and then we had Monday night. My Rams barely edged the Browns. What a defensive game on both sides of the ball. Offensively, both the Browns and the Rams didn't look very good. Uh, so Goff, Goff and Mayfield didn't look that hot either. So uh, struggles there on, uh, and kind of a worry for me in a way because the schedule is going to get a little tougher and tougher. And if offense, if our offense isn't really in click, we're going to probably uh, get some losses here. Well, one thing I could say is is um, don't look too far into that game because. Cleveland's defense is legit. Last year they were top ten. Miles Garrett, to me, he looks like he could possibly be an NFL defensive MVP. They've got some pieces on that side of the ball, and they can play some football. So I wouldn't take too much out of that. As a matter of fact, I would say that the Rams look even much better right now, especially since they're playing um, uh, Todd Gurley a little bit sparingly, and and I think rightfully so because they're not really not sure what's going on with his knee. Uh, but I like what the Rams are doing. I think they played that Cleveland game very well. They knew it was going to be a tight game, so they didn't take too many chances. They got wide receivers that can, you know, those three top wide receivers that you guys have. Those are some of the best route running guys that I've that I've seen in the league, in my opinion. The top three. I mean, yeah, I would I would put those guys in the top three and McVay. You know how I feel about that guy. I think he's just an absolute genius. So I think you guys are going to be good going forward. But, again, Cleveland's defense is legit. You'll see that going forward throughout the rest of the league, and I think you guys will do much better next week. Holly, um, Daniel Jones obviously replaces Manning and lifts the Giants to the win. Uh, Bridgewater bounces back and gets the big win for the Saints. Uh, Philly, you know, basically drops – drops to the middle of the pack here with Wentz and, and all the questions with the goal and, and everything else. So uh, some teams are up on the upswing. I mean, New York, that's got to be good for the fan base to know that there's uh, obviously a future quarterback. Uh, definitely. But it's, it's one of those things that you have to be cautiously optimistic about this performance. It was a great performance by him, but you also have, uh, Barkley out for the next couple of months here, and that's going to really hurt because one of the reasons why you feel comfortable bringing him in over Eli is that you had one of the maybe top two, if not the top running back in the entire league to rely upon. And that makes his job so much easier as a rookie quarterback when you have a, a really stout running game to go off of. Now, without that component, now teams can really kind of pin their ears back and come after you. So the real test is not going to be this game. The real test is going to be two or three weeks from now when teams have a chance to study him and how they adjust their pressure and how they adjust their coverage to try to confuse him. That's when we're really going to see, you know, is this guy like the second coming, like the Giants fans are hoping, or is he going to come back to the middle of the pack a little bit? I think if you had, if Barkley had not gotten hurt, it would have helped him a lot. Uh, but that's going to be a, a key component. Uh, Holly, since we're on that, um, Garoppolo did play pretty well. You got your boys out there, Mosette. Uh, you know, you, you, San Francisco literally did their job and, and took care of Pittsburgh. So it's a good sign. Our Niners are 3-0. and um, And we all thought offensively on the line they were maybe going to have some issues, but it looks like uh, it's not going to be the case. 
You know, that was a weird game, too, because, like, I think we had, like, five, six turnovers. I've never seen Mm -hmm. a game where the offense has five or six turnovers and we still win because our defense is playing great, like, absolutely out of of their minds great right now, which is what won us the game. Our offense actually moved the ball, but we had the weirdest thing happen. You know, like, sometimes when you watch teams – and turnovers, I swear, are contagious. This is what happened. Like, we'd move the ball, move the ball, and then it'd be a, a, a toss, and the toss would go 20 yards in the backfield, and everybody was jumping over each other to try to get it. That was, like, the feeling of the offense. Even though we were moving the ball, we kept turning it over. And then, finally, our offense started to get its rhythm back. Um, you know, I, I think, I think honestly, our defense – is good enough to get us to the playoffs. If our offense can be consistent enough, I think we're in prime position to make a playoff run. The division's really competitive, and I think people are sleeping on this division with the Rams, the very improved Niners team, and then you always have the Seahawks in contention. So I really think this division is going to be very, very competitive. And uh, and then also uh, – our heavier part of the schedule comes up in a couple of weeks. So even though we're three and no, it's kind of with a caveat in that we haven't really played anybody crazy yet. So we have a bye week this week, which is nice. So we can get some of those people back that we've had injured. Uh, we get Jalen uh, Hurd back. Uh, we get uh, Tevin Campbell back. We get some of these other people that, that uh, have been injured, and we, we really need them back. Um, and then we play the Browns, and that should be an interesting game. And then we play the Rams. And the Rams, your team, that's going to be the test to see where we're actually at, how close or far away are we to making a serious run. So we have a ways to go, but it's definitely way better to figure out your problems when you're 3-0 and as opposed to being 0-3. So I'm excited. Well, offensively, everybody thought we were going to have the Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons uh, instilled offense in San Francisco. So it's, it's a work in progress. I can see it there. You get some good, good receivers. Mm-hmm. At some point, uh, he's probably going to instill the same. As long as uh, Garoppolo can you know, act like Matt Ryan, you might have that type of offense at some point down the road. So it's promising. Yeah, and the, the promising thing for me in this game is that um, – I guess it's promising and not promising – is that uh, the Steelers got a lot of pressure off the edges to mm-hmm. Garoppolo, and he got knocked around a lot. And considering he's coming back from this knee injury and, you know, uh, this part of that rehab is as psychological as physical, he seemed fine. He got he got knocked around, he got knocked down, he got back up. He seemed totally fine and not scared at all. So it's very, very good a very great sign for us going forward. And I don't think he played bad. And then two he had two interceptions, but they were both actually on the receivers where he threw it to the receiver and the receiver actually both times the receiver like hit it up in the air and then the uh, defensive player got it. So it wasn't necessarily that he made a bad read. It was more just weird bounces of the ball that were happening. Um, So I think as long as he can stay consistent, I think we have a shot. All right. Uh, Troy uh, Rogers, here we are, 3-0, very quiet, nobody really talking Packers. And they go up against Philadelphia this coming Thursday. Uh, Pack offense is 28th in the league as we start here, but uh, hey, they're three and zero. 
The biggest difference with the Packers right now is their defense. I mean, they are they are putting the clamps down on people, and it's been a long time before you can say that. But the Packers have really they have really shored things up on defense. They've gotten after the pass. They've gotten after the uh, the quarterback. They stopped the run. Um, they had a little bit of trouble stopping the run against the Broncos, but I think really that's been the biggest defense, uh, the biggest difference with them, and they're forcing turnovers. So I really think, especially going into this Eagles game, you don't know if Alshon Jeffrey's going to play. You don't know if Deshaun Jackson's going to play. The Eagles wide receivers, they dropped a lot of passes in the past two games, and they are not happy with Nelson Aguilar, who we thought he solved his drop problems last year. It's reared his ugly head. He, they, they had the game winner a week ago. Um, they dropped a ton of passes this, this uh, past game against Detroit. It doesn't really – I mean, right now, Philadelphia, uh, the fans are really down on them. But I will say this, as much talent as they have on their roster, I wouldn't be surprised if they came out and took it to the Packers. But, look, the Eagles are going to have to also figure out what they have in the defensive uh, on their defensive backfield because they have really just been torched. I mean, look, Case Keenum went out there against with the Redskins. He threw for over 300 yards against them. Um, uh, Matthew Stafford last weekend, he had his way with them. Uh, he picked them apart. And they continue to, to to blitz and leave their corners and defensive backs in one-on-one position, and that's really not their strong suit. So something's got to give at that point. But, look, uh, Jim Schwartz, that's just his M.O. He's going to come after you. He's going to do the same thing to Rodgers this week. And also, Rodgers, their, their offense is kind of sputtered. So something's got to give this week. I, I really think that the Eagles probably get right back on the, on the, on the right ship. And I think the Eagles are probably going to win this one because the, the Packers' offense is still not gotten off the ground, led by Matt LaFleur, who's his first year coaching. And there was a lot of chatter in the offseason about them two not getting along, and you kind of see that on the sidelines right now. But as long as that defense is playing well, they have a chance. Mike Patton, they brought him in. He's really turned that, 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 front, that defensive side around. So if, if they can force some turnovers with the Eagles, and, of course, if the Eagles continue to drop passes, which they probably will, they they may have a shot. But, you know what, I, I'm going to pick the Eagles in this one. Well, you, you saw the uh, social media posts where even Eagles fans are catching and saving babies in fire. So they kind of mocked the receivers. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought that was so Philadelphia where the guy said, that yeah, you know, right there. The window, and we were catching them on, like, Aguilar. <laughs> that was, that, that was, was classic. That, so that was classic. Oh, that guy got invited <laughs> to the to the Philly uh, Philly game this week, this Thursday. From what I'm told. Oh, that's yeah. He got invited. Yeah. He should have been. Yeah. I hope maybe but he can catch some passes out there. I don't. I I don't believe if the same happens on Thursday, he's not going to stay quiet. He's probably going to voice <laughs> the stuff for much more. <laughs> for sure. Um. Lamar Jackson, Troy, we talked about him a year ago. Uh, here he is. He's leading the Ravens. Very competitive game against Kansas City. Uh, I think he's the real deal. I think he's a little bit under the radar. Everybody's talking Mahomes and talking everybody else, Brady and everybody else, but I really think he's the real deal. And uh, a win over the Browns this, this in Baltimore uh, would put them in the driver's seat in the division. So that says a lot about him. No question Lamar Jackson is the real deal. Listen, I've said this, and I think uh, with he and Kyler Murray, they're really going to change the way that, they, that the game is played. 
Look, everyone's going to this RPO as it is now. Everyone's looking at all these pro teams. They're looking at all these college teams. And what better way to model it off of the two best college players in the last um, uh, in the last three years, both of those guys housing and trophy winners. I really think they're going to change the game. Um, he, he is a underrated passer as far as him putting touch on the ball. Sometimes, yes, he is a little bit erratic. But you also see him fit the ball in the tight spaces where he can drop the ball right in the basket over top of a, a corner and wide receiver shoulder. The guy is the real deal. And, of course, he is still going to be that running threat. One of the things that really people no one talk about, he is a small stature guy as far as his frame. But when was the last time you seen this guy hurt? He's tough as nails. And he's mentally tough. I really think that this kid has it all. And this game against Kansas City, wasn't necessarily a bad game by him. I mean, statistically, he, he, you know, completion percentage was down. But I thought he played a fantastic game, especially on his side. Harbaugh didn't help him out by going for two when they're down by, uh, what was it? I think they were they were down by uh, 11 points, and he decided to go for two. What are you doing? Yeah. Kick the field goal. You, yeah. you get the 10, you know, it's a 10-point lead. You put your team in a bad position to do that. Uh, so I, I didn't like the way they did that. But on the Kansas City side, what can you say bad about Patrick Mahomes? This dude, honestly, man, I haven't been this excited about another quarterback since Rogers, uh, since Aaron Rodgers started to come into his own, uh, where he was all of a sudden he just seemed to be clearing uh, above everyone else in the league. I think Mahomes is just that. It's not just arm talent. The guy really knows the game. He's got a cerebral coach that knows how to coach quarterbacks and Andy Reid. His wide receivers, all he's doing is getting getting it to the to, to these guys that have speed. Uh, Nicole Hardeman, look, this guy was a he was a rookie out of Georgia. No one's going to catch this guy. And then when Tyreek Hill's not even there, and they already they still have the fastest wide receivers out there. I really like the way this Kansas City offense is rolling. I don't think anyone's going to slow them down. That's including the Patriots when they have to go up to Foxborough. Uh, later on in the year, I really don't think anyone's going to slow this team down. I'm not saying they're going undefeated, but I'm not going to be surprised. They are already my picks for the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be Kansas City uh, all the way. But I really like the, what, the, what they're doing. They're really, their Achilles is going to be defense. They really haven't been able to stop anybody in two years. They're going to have to outscore teams. So as long as they keep chopping at it like that, I think they're really in, in a good position. All right. Uh, what do we say of Bridgewater? He's just got to ride the ship. Uh, Saints fans just got to kind of, you know, stay the course until they get uh, Breeze back maybe before the, before the playoffs. But uh, what a job in Seattle, uh, reassuring uh, Saints Nation that, you know, he can play and be competitive and, and get, get him a win. So that was a really good win beating uh, the Seahawks. Yeah, look, Teddy, Teddy is not a stranger to, you know, to playing this game. I mean, before he got hurt in Minnesota, he started to come into his own uh, as far as, play, you know, being a viable NFL quarterback. And, you know, he's got some time to recover. Uh, he's been in that offense now for two years. Uh, Sean Payton, he's another guy, just like I talked about Andy Reid, where he can whisper in a quarterback's ear and he can get these guys to go in the right direction. And I figured just by, I don't know, just it was something about Sean Payton's um, press conference where he was saying, you know, we're going to be all right, you know, we're, we're going to put together our game plan. He seemed really, really confident. And I wasn't surprised that they went out there and they played the way that they did. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, like I said, he's an excellent quarterback. And, and what he showed is is that he can play within the confines of the system. 
but he he can also make plays when need to be, and and that's really what it comes down to. He's very disciplined, and he played an excellent game out there. I'm proud of the way he played, and I know he's happy. And just imagine the confidence that that team now has going forward. You beat a solid team in Seattle, and you played a close game against the Rams the previous week. You're back on on track. They can really get this going, and I, and I really think that by the time Breeze comes back. I think they'll still be in contention for a playoff hunt, and that's really what they were looking for is to be in it at least by the end. And I think with Teddy Bridgewater back there, and, of course, they're going to throw Taysom Hill back there also because that guy's a weapon. I think they're really going to be in good position going forward if they can continue this. I think Colts Nation was devastated when Andrew Luck said, hey, I'm not coming back. But now Colts Nation, after this last week, Brissette, I mean, what what a play to beat Atlanta, 27-24. And then you get the Raiders next week, which are not very good. If he can do back-to-back wins for the Colts, I think uh, Colts Nation is going to just uh, kind of a, a sigh of relief that their season isn't, isn't going to be a bad season after all. Look, I, I love the way that they played with Jacoby Brissett. It was at one point in that game, Jacoby Brissett, 15-15, 15, 173 yards and two touchdowns. You can't ask for a better game than that. And he got so much confidence at first playing in New England. Then he had, and then he started for Andrew Luck uh, the season that Andrew Luck took off uh, for his shoulder. Sat on the bench last year as a backup. And now he's back there as a starter. Again, just another guy that's going out there with a lot of confidence that knows where he's going with the ball. And he just looks really, really good and real comfortable back there in that system. And don't forget this. I think this is really the biggest key. Jacoby Brissett is going to succeed because of that offensive line. That offensive line, they have mauled. I think uh, um, uh, Quentin Quentin Nelson, their guard from, from out of Notre Dame, he might be the meanest player I've ever seen in my life. If you guys haven't seen this guy, He's been on. He's he's a social media sensation right now because of how many pancake blocks he's thrown off. If you haven't seen this guy, Google Quentin Nelson um, uh, pancakes uh, pancakes or blockers, and you're going to see plenty of film come up on this guy. I mean, he just he took Melvin Ingram right off of his feet last week, uh, two weeks ago. So I mean, this guy he is one of my favorite players to watch out of offensive linemen. That offensive line that they have is solid. They're going to succeed because of that. And their defense also is coming along as well. So it really looks up for the Colts right now. And that division is for the taking if they want it. All right. Uh, before the season started, Troy, and before you were here, we were on the Bills bandwagon with the Bills Mafia. Uh, we were highlighting that this was uh, the year for the Buffalo Bills. It looks to be a 3-0 and start for them. They get the Tom Brady Patriots, which Tom Brady has respect for playing in Buffalo because it's cold. Uh, are the Bills for real? I would say that they are for real. And the reason why I say they're for real is because of their defense. Look, they, they put a lot of investment into that defense. They got Micah Hyde at free safety and, and via uh, free agency uh, out of uh, Green Bay. Tredavious White they drafted. Tremaine Evans, middle linebacker, they drafted him pretty high out of, out of Virginia Tech. Lorenzo Alexander. Used to be a former Redskin. He's there. He's still chopping at it. He's still a good pass rusher. Jerry Hughes is a great pass rusher. Uh, you drafted Ed Oliver last year, the number seven pick, and he could have been the number one pick overall because he's that talented. You got Starlo Tulele. 
he's he's back there on that defense. This defense can really play. Yes, did they did, have they played? You know, the best competition their first three opponents ever combined zero and nine. But look, their job is to go out and win the game, and they that's what they've done. They've just flat out gotten it done since they've been out there, and that's all you can really ask for with this team. And and I really like what they've done. Um, and then look. You got the old man out there too. You got Frank Gore. He's out there. He you know, he got you two touchdowns in the run game last week. Josh Allen. He's looking better in his second year. He's looking a lot more confident. So, I think they can keep this going. Are they going to win the AFC East and, and unseat the Patriots? I don't think so. And that's even if they find a way to beat the Patriots uh, up in uh, Orchard Park next week. I mean, this this coming up weekend, I still don't think that they're going to be the better team. Oh, yeah, um, you like the direction I gotta- they're going. I got a tweet says they're only saving grace is that Miami and the Jets are horrible. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, they, they're sitting in a great position because that division is just awful with those two teams in there. And I'm saying that just that that's just those are two really 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 bad teams right now. All right, let's bring in the uh, let's uh, bring in the uh, salty one in the house here. So. So, uh, Mackenzie, uh, what do we say of the Cowboys? How about the Cowboys? Yeah. What's up, y'all? Yeah, but you How get Teddy Bridgewater this week. I don't know if you're going to be too excited now. Bridgewater took care of Seattle know, to, here. To be honest, I'm I'm nervous, but I'm not nervous. I'm nervous that um, my defense is going to fall apart a little bit, but I don't think I don't think we're taking an L this week, honestly. I just don't see. I feel if you take an L, it goes into overtime. Salty. Let me say this: you get the Saints, you get Aaron Rodgers, and you get Wentz all in the next three weeks. This is your big test in the next four weeks, actually, and this will sort out the NFC East. You know, I'm not Carson Wentz. I'm not really worried about. I've never really been worried about him, especially because of his recent history. Um, I guess recent past, you know, as far as like not having the availability that he needs to have for his Philadelphia Eagles, not real worried about him. Um, to be honest, I'm not really worried about Aaron Rodgers either. And all of my Packers friends and my sister is going to probably tweet me and stuff later. Like, oh, you should be like, like honestly, Dallas with, with uh, Callan Moore being the OC right now, um, Dallas looks kind of unstoppable. I mean, obviously, anything happens, you know, any given Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. But, I mean, I've got faith in my Cowboys, and I don't, I don't see us letting up for a while. I know we're gonna, we're definitely taking some losses this year. I can't even tell you All right. who though. All right, um, hey, just, Mackenzie. Just, 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 just for a caveat here. Sure, I, go ahead. That's the team that I, that's the team that I picked to win the Super Bowl. I think it's gonna be Kansas City versus Dallas, and really? I'll tell you why. Yeah, absolutely. Because look, Dallas, at every level of every part of their team, they are a top five unit. I really believe that. Like their defense is lights out. Their offense is unstoppable. Especially now that Dak has just the Dak Prescott has so much confidence right now. He's just oozing with it. Nobody's going to stop him in that run game. Their offensive line is back. They got Travis Frederick back after he had to take a year off for autoimmune disease. That team right now has everything you need to be in a Super Bowl, and I just don't see anyone really that's going to be in their way 
uh, that they have to play until they get to the playoffs. Obviously, when, once playoff time comes around, all bets are off. You never know what's going to happen, especially in the NFL. But I really think that the Dallas Cowboys have the best team in the NFC East, and I think that's not even close right now. Mac, uh, what do we say of Detroit? They beat Philly. They go in there, they edge Philly, and then they get the, the reward, which is Mahomes next week. You know, Detroit, in all honesty, is kind of a dark horse. Um, I mean, the past couple of seasons have been building seasons for Detroit. You know, they've either had some parts or, you know, a little bit of parts, and now I feel like they have all working parts together, especially with with uh, drafting T.J. Hawkinson out of Iowa, you know, tight end U, um, adding him to their starting lineup after what he did, you know, how he balled out during preseason, and now he's doing the same exact thing but a little bit better during regular season. I think having that that tight end um, added to their added to their offense is what is making everything click for them. Matthew Stafford has more, um, you know, has more field vision as far as having those those shorter routes to throw to with TJ. And he he's also real real good at um, blocking off, you know, coming off a block and then catching. Most tight ends that you see coming out of college don't do the blocking scheme very well. So I'm I'm thrilled to see that the Lions are doing so well. But I'm not sure how they're gonna fare against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey next week, honestly. Well, I can tell you right now, they're not going to fare well because <laughs> they barely beat Philly. So, <laughs> do we believe in Patricia? I do not. <laughs> I don't know, man. Look, that's you, you. Look, Kansas City's going on the road, and you never know what happens when you go up in that dome, man. I, I, you know, so they have a shot, and and again, they got their horses up there that can that can roll with them. You know, they're not going. They may not be able to outscore them, but you never know in the NFL. But I'm with you guys. I think KC just takes this one. Um, Troy, Chicago showed uh, they could beat the Redskins. Can they show they can beat the Vikings? Is really the question now. Is that is that is that, that really how we're gonna ask that question? Okay, all right, I'll play along. Uh, okay, first off, let me just say this. Okay, my turn to rant. The Washington Redskins are the worst team in NFL history right now. They can't do anything right. Everything I just said about Dallas is the complete opposite of the Redskins. They can't score. They can't defend anybody. I'll give you, I'll give you one stat to tell you how bad this defense is, okay? The, the New England Patriots, their third down percentage, they are 5 of 39, meaning that when it, when it comes down, they have a team that's on third down, they've only allowed five first downs in that situation. The Redskins, and that's a, at a, a 12% clip. The Redskins have allowed 64% third down conversions on defense. They're not that winning games, NFL by the way. Is that what you're telling me? They're not winning any games with that. No way in hell. And they're just, they're just awful. They're bad. And look, let me, let me say this also. And you guys saw Chicago play the last two games that they played. They are mm-hmm. awful on offense. They made Mitch oh, yeah. Trubisky. They made Mitch Trubisky look like Joe Montana. That you you would have thought that was Patrick Mahomes out there. They're, yeah. they, they are a bad football team. Period. Point blank. Now, all right. So I'm finished with that one. That was just a quick rant. With Chicago, 
this coming up week they have they have they're hosting Minnesota. You never know who's going to show up with Minnesota, and I'm talking about from Kirk Cousins. I like Kirk Cousins, but he is about as inconsistent as, as any quarterback that's in the NFL right now. You may get a great game out of him, you might not, especially with that Chicago defense. That defense is legit, and so Kirk Cousins does not do well in big games, and everybody knows that. And so this is a chance for him to either show that he can win a big game or show that he can continue to soil any mattress that he lays on when it's a big game time. So this is going to be a tough test for him. But I think the difference with this game is, is Minnesota going to be able to slow uh, slow down Dalvin Cook? He's really that key to that game. And, And, of course, Chicago has the chops to do it. They are not allowing a whole lot of rushing yards right now. So I think Chicago has a really good chance if they can hold Dalvin Cook because if you try to put the if you put the game in Kirk Cousins' hands, and I think that's what Chicago's going to want to do, they'll take that bet, and I think they may come out on top on this one. All right, uh, Mackenzie, uh, Tennessee here is on the edge here. The next three games, they get Atlanta next week, pretty much a uh, injury weekend Atlanta team. Uh, then they get the obviously the Cinderella Bills, uh, and then struggling Denver. So. Three critical games for Tennessee if they want to get on the uh, win column. Yeah, you know, they're going to have to win at least two out of three games to almost be 500. I I can't think of their record right off the top of my head. Um, I see them. They're one and two right now. One and two, okay. Ooh, and those are all three. Atlanta isn't playing well. That's true. Even with Atlanta being injured, I still see them being a tough opponent or a tougher opponent for Tennessee than I do the other two right now. But I will say Denver is also another dark horse. Um, They just have to get their their defense rolling on all cylinders. Their offense seems to be doing rather, you know, rather fine for the most part. I mean, Philip Lindsay is a highly underrated running back. I mean, he's picking, I think, his his yards per average um, on first and second down are between six and seven yards, um, maybe seven and a half tops, if I remember correctly. Um, and he's, he's actually hard to bring down. He's not, I mean, he's stout and he's not, he's not super tall, but he's very hard to bring down because he, he's a power runner. So, and other defenses have problems stopping a power runner. It doesn't matter how tall you are, if you know how to move your legs and keep yourself, you know, keep yourself small through holes, you're going to be rough to bring down for anybody. So I just, I don't see, I don't see Tennessee really having too much of an issue keeping up, being able to keep, you know, keep the coverages alive. It's stopping the run, at least with Denver and even Atlanta for that matter, even though they're injured. I think they lose to the Bills. They're win- they can win against Denver and Atlanta. I think that's winnable. Um, so, Troy, yeah. Carolina, Carolina, Kyle Allen, two, four touchdowns. Do we forget about Cam Newton at this point? Uh, only re- – yeah, I, I think you do. Not Maybe not for this season, but I think going forward. Look, Cam is beat up. He is beat up. He's been beat up over the past six seasons, in my opinion. And uh, he needs some time off. And I think it was really good to have Kyle Allen go out there 
and get that offense of success. I mean, look, the, the biggest thing was that, you know, they were saying Cam Newton doesn't have any help from the wide receiver positions. And what did Kyle Allen do? He went out there and he threw the ball around the yard and they got a lot of big plays out of the pass game. And then, of course, that opened up more for the run game for Christian McCaffrey. He ended up running for over 153 yards. That offense started to click. Now, is it is that a byproduct of no one had seen Kyle Allen play in the NFL game? I think a little bit of that is, is, is legit. Um, but you're going into Houston next week. And so, you know, Houston has some film on Kyle Allen now. Is he going to have that same success against J.J. Watt and that, and that, uh, that defense that can run – they can run around out there and they can really get after the passer. And that offensive line isn't the best that I've seen. I mean, they, they are really, really, like, below average on, on that Carolina offensive line. So they're gonna, this is going to be a big test for them. We're going to see if North Turner can scheme something up to get the ball out of their hands, and they have the tools to do it. Like, Christian McCaffrey right now is probably the best three-tool running back in the NFL. I mean, the guy is, is very underrated, and he doesn't get the due that he deserves. But I think this is going to be a big test for Carolina. Uh, the other thing is, is how is Carolina's defense? And we haven't seen that defense play this poorly in a long time, and they haven't played very well. How are they going to fare against uh, Deshaun Watson? I mean, that dude right there is – he's killing it right now. Deshaun Watson, you've got to rank him up there, you know, amongst the top six quarterbacks in the NFL right now with that athleticism. He can throw the ball. He's been, doing, he's been playing excellent this year. So they're going to have their hands full with that one. I think Houston takes this one, especially at home. Um, I'm not really sure how they're going to fare with Kyle Allen uh, during his second stint. You've seen it before. You know, you you can fool defenses or fool NFL defenses because they haven't seen you. But once they get film on you and start to get you down and get down your tendencies, they can, you know, kind of expose some things that maybe they didn't see at first. So I'm going to go with Houston on this one. Uh, Salty, uh, Cincinnati struggled here against San Francisco. They, they get beat by four. Uh, a complete uh, complete absence of a running game in Pittsburgh with the Antonio Brown fiasco from starting the season all the way down to where it ended. Uh, you know, James Conner is averaging 2.9 yards per carry, which is isn't going to help Rudolph or do Rudolph's any favor. So uh, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati – this week on Monday night, um, are we going to see a hor- horrible game? Is that my that's my question? You know, I think with Monday, you know, Monday night featured football and Thursday night featured football and Sunday night featured football, you know, those those nighttime games seem to elevate the level of play. Um, it doesn't matter what team you're on; uh, it could be NFL, college, even you know, some high schools in some aspects like. Primetime play seems to up the level of of competition and up the play factor. So I'm not going to say it's going to be completely – it's not going to be a complete mediocrity. What I will state, however, it will probably be fairly uneventful or uninteresting until the probably the third quarter. That's That's my guess. Okay. So, Troy – um, the Raider magic at the beginning of the season, no longer Raider magic and Antonio Brown drama. And so what does Gruden do from here? He's getting Brissett coming up this week and Brissett obviously would like to just elevate Colt Nation to another level. Yeah, right now, Oakland is not playing very well. Um, you thought you would have got a little bit of better play um, out of, out of uh, Derek Carr. 
he really hasn't stepped up right now. He's really struggling at, at the quarterback position now. He, sure, he's missing some weapons. Um, he, it would have been nice to have Antonio Brown out there, but you know you got to play with who you have out there. But he still has to to play better, and he hasn't at, at this point. And also on the defensive side of the ball, they aren't playing very well either. So uh, Indianapolis is hot, and they're just really they're just a better team. They're going on the road. I really think the Raiders is going to they're, they're going to drop this one. Indianapolis takes this pretty easily. All right, let's end it up right here, uh, McKenzie, with um, the Arizona Cardinals are not a horrible team. I will mention that. They're a very exciting team to watch. Unfortunately, they have a tendency to where their run game isn't really uh, efficient enough, and they got a great rookie quarterback. They haven't found the balance yet. So they, they lost to Carolina last week. Uh, now they get Seattle. Seattle coming off that loss as well to the Saints. Uh, big, big division here. If they can get this win against Seattle, that really puts them back into into the mix. Yeah, so it's ironic because I was just talking about this at work today, um, about Kyle, the Kyler Murray uh, Russell Wilson matchup. And to be honest, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be a shootout. Um, in all honesty, because Kyler Murray, Ky- Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson are almost the same quarterback. Russell Wilson is looking at Kyler as a younger version of himself. Well, with Kyler, vice versa, um, the only thing that's going to set it apart with between the two teams is um, – it's not really unfortunate, but unfortunately, like, Arizona's offensive line is still fairly inexperienced. Um, I mean, they've gone through two or three quarterbacks the past couple seasons where Seattle has has had Russell for, for the long haul so far. They know his – you know, they know his counts. They know his – his um, cadence that, you know, they know how he runs the offense. Cardinals, and I feel like Cardinals, uh, Mac are very exciting because they got Kirk and Fitzgerald. So, I mean, they're not a bad team. That's what I'm saying. It's like, because they play exciting ball, it's just a matter of their game planning changing a little bit on offense. And I think they're, they're right there for a couple wins. I mean, they didn't, they're one, they're what one, one and two or something like that. Uh, we're a tie they're, in other words. They're, they're, they're oh, two and one. So zero oh, two and wins. one. Yeah. Two yeah, uh, zero wins, two losses, and one tie. So they're they're good. I mean, they just need to. If they can beat Seattle, that'll be a very good statement game for Murray. And honestly, I'm I'm taking the Cardinals by three in okay. overtime. That's that's how confident I am that this is going to be a shootout of a game. Yeah, because all right, uh, let's finish. Cannot stop a nosebleed. Arizona's defense yeah. can't stop a nosebleed. Right. Right. I mean, that's their issue. I think offensively they're exciting, but they they just can't hold up. Um, Troy, let's end it here before we go to the women's recap. we got to bail out in about 12 minutes here. Um, so can we say uh, congratulations to the Dolphins? Because apparently their point differential is negative 117, where last year they were 3-0. Oh, wow. Dude. Um, let's just say they're almost they're as bad as the Raptors in Gridiron Queensland right now. They're 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 an awful football team. They're just not as bad as the Redskins. Uh, but yeah, they're 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 just pretty bad, man. I mean, they they really don't have anything to look forward to. I mean, and they knew that going into the season, they're tanking this thing because they want to go ahead and get to a tag of violence. If I went to training camp and got out of training camp, and then I got the first game and I got my ass beat in the first game, and then I'm going to my agent, hey, can you get me out of here? Because this is not cool anymore. 
I think every player on that roster is probably looking for a way out right now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, I mean, they're they're gonna, you know, of course they're gonna have to play it out right now. But some of these guys have already been traded away, and, and it really doesn't look good. I mean, a lot of these losses, you can go ahead and start to pencil them in right now. Um, yeah, it's just it's just not a good look. Um, Mackenzie, let's finish it up. Uh, the only good thing about the Jets is they get the bye week. That's a good week for Gang Green. <laughs> yeah, the Jets um, kind of just like Troy had said with the Dolphins, the Jets are kind of in that category of pure mediocrity. And you can't help that because some teams are going to go through building seasons kind of like the Browns did, well, two years ago uh, before they got Baker. And now, you know, the Browns are in, you know, in talks for playoffs and just being in the win column where the Dolphins and the Jets, not so much. I don't know a Jets fan in my life, and I have no idea. I, I only know one Miami fan, which is Odessa, so it's a rough year for both fan bases, I think. Yeah, it, it's going to be a long NFL season for both of them. All right, uh, guys, let's go into the women's recaps. Exciting news in Germany. The 12th time the Cobras, the Berlin Cobras, win Ladies Bowl and fifth consecutive Ladies Bowl 28. So congratulations to the Berlin Cobras. They edge the Stuttgart Scorpions first year in Division One in Germany, and the Scorpions almost come to a little bit of an edge here to get the win over this juggernaut uh, franchise that's been winning for so long. But they do get edged 26-24, and you can go to the hub and get the details there. So congratulations to the Berlin Cobras, 12th Ladies Bowl Championship, fifth consecutive. How, how do you think of that, Troy? Five in a row. Yeah, I mean that's look, that's sincere dominance out there, and and they they've imposed their will on that league that, as it is. So five in a row, you got to give it up to them, man. That's a dynasty right there. Mackenzie, five in a row. Some people don't even do one in a row. You know, and I I called that last week. I didn't call. I didn't think the score was going to be that close. I definitely had the Berlin Cobras having a blowout. I didn't think it was going to be by two points, though. I mean, as far as the point deficit. So, I mean, like I think you the said, Scorpions heard you, and the Scorpions said, "Hey, that's wrong," and we're we've arrived. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they they totally proved me wrong because I was just like, "This is." I mean, a first year going against you know, as a veteran talented juggernaut. That is the Berlin Cobras. It's kind of like little sister, big sister going, <laughs> going at it. Like, oh, yeah. okay, little sister, you're, you're youthful, you know, and you're, you're new to the game. You have talent. But I, you know, big sister team, we've been here 28, 12 times, five in a row. Like, you, I mean, <laughs> like that's why I was expecting a blowout. But two points is still crazy good, crazy good. All right. Um, let's go to Costa Rica. It's a young season still. We're uh, the season ends in November. Uh, Bulldogs open the season. The champs twenty four and fourteen over Valkyrias. And then week two here, Valkyrias rebound thirty six uh, to twenty four over uh, the Goddesses. Uh, you can get the nice feature that on our at the hub uh, of the Valkyrias uh, week one experience. You can get it at the hub at facebook.com for Beauties. This coming up week, September 29th, we get the Goddesses taking on the Champs. Uh, basically, 
a battle here from last year's in the finals, so we'll see how it turns out. Then we go to Gridiron Queensland, Troy. A big contested season so far. Uh, Thunder uh, start off the start off the week uh, week one in a downer, 22 to six. But since then, it has been 12-8 against the Stingrays. It has been 14 to zero against the Raptors, 30 to 12 against the Ravens, the champs. And then all of a sudden here this week, 34-14. Uh, Amanda, yours and company. Uh, the Thunder are for real in Queensland. Yeah, look, sometimes, you know, when you take that loss, I mean, you start to figure out who you are and you get back on the right track. And it seems like that's what they've done. So they reeled off a couple of wins here, and uh, they definitely have the momentum going. So, yeah, I, I would say that. I would say that for real. Absolutely. Four and one, Mackenzie. Uh, the Thunder have literally uh, are averaging 30 points a game. They are just taking names. You know, and I have to admit, I kind of did not see that coming. I was because I, you know, last week and the week before we talked about, it, and I'm like, you know, I see them being a dark horse, but I didn't think it was gonna. I didn't think they were gonna progress so quickly. So that's amazing to hear, especially their 30 point average, and they've been a 30 point average for, well, I mean, since I guess the end of last season too. So I don't. I'm not sure why I'm surprised, but I'm kind of shell shocked, I guess. But I mean, hats off. This to is them. their second. You keep this going. is their second win against Gold Coast. They beat Gold Coast in Week Three, twelve to eight, in a very competitive matchup. Now they turn around and beat Gold Coast thirty-four to fourteen. So uh, Week Seven coming up on the twenty-eighth here, the champs taking on Stingrays. It is a crucial battle in Queensland. It is the uh, Stingrays three and two, the Stingrays um, three and two, or the Ravens three and two. A competitive battle there. Raptors taking on Thunder. I wish them well because the way that rap, the Thunder is here, they're going to roll five to one. Uh, hats off to the Raptors. They've improved the last three weeks. Uh, they only give up 14 points to the Thunder in week four. They've uh, only given up uh, 20 points in week five. And then this past weekend, obviously, they got shut out 38 to zero. They gave up 38 points. So if the Raptors can at least stay competitive in season against the Thunder, but Thunder looks to go to five and one in Queensland, very dominant. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see, um, you know, all these, I guess, more or less underdog teams, um, you know, Gridiron uh, and Queensland and such. It's gonna be interesting to see how they roll the rest of the season because the same pattern started happening last season, as far as you know, dark horses being dominant for the first part of the season and then essentially falling off and vice versa. You, so I'm just And Mackenzie, really, it's I'm kind really, of a key what's up? It's kind of a key in this in this league because you play each other almost every other weekend. So tendencies to know each other and everything else and that's why the games become a somewhat competitive. So that's it's a very competitive league. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's I mean it's not like it's not like here in the States where you can have, you know, a two part series home and away you know, with, with the international game, you get to play those close by teams multiple times as far as like three and four times. All right. Uh, Troy, we go to the Czech Republic, uh, the premier league week one, Prague 39, 21. They take care of Warsaw. Warsaw is the Polish team that is competing in the Czech Republic this year. Then the champions in week two, 39 to zero. They get the shout out against the Prague black Cats. Um, and then week three here this last weekend, Prague Black Hat 20, Warsaw 33. Warsaw wins their first victory in league 
history and first victory in organization in terms of a franchise, 33-20, and they beat the Black Cats. And then the champions uh, route the Prague Harpies, 51-6. to So congratulations to Warsaw for getting a win under their belt. Man, you know what? If you're getting your first win, I don't care what part of the season it is, you got to pop a little bit of champagne after that one. You know what? Especially if that's your first win ever. They got to have the, you know, got to have the game balls and everything. So, yeah, congratulations to those guys, man. Take a sip of that champagne for me, too. Celebrate. All right. We're going to finish up in Brazil. Uh, and Brazil, the uh, week one in July started, and then in August, and then the 25th. So this past weekend, 24 to 0, I'm sorry, uh, two weeks ago, August 25th, this weekend coming up is going to be Brasilia Pilots taking on Portuguese Football America. Um, we will get, have everything low down as where we can get the links and everything else. Um, if you missed out on the Brazilian season, go back to the hub and scroll back down, and you'll get the exciting uh, moments so far uh, through five weeks. And that October 5th, Brasilia Pilots taking on Portuguese. So the international game. Is no different than when we cover NFL and college football. You got the whole down, the recap. And, uh, guys, this is, uh, you know, year-round, right? Just because we don't have WFA and WNFC, that means there's not girls playing football. There is football being played all over the globe. We got Czech Republic, Austria. We didn't mention 66-0, the Vikings' route uh, and their win as well. And also, Gridiron Queensland. We have Gridiron Victoria starting up in a two weeks from now. We have Gridiron West starting about four weeks from now. So a lot of football to cover on the women's side. A lot of football to cover as usual, man. That's what we do. So, you know, we'd love to come in here and talk football, and we'll bring it to you guys every week. I appreciate you guys for listening to us. And uh, don't forget to check us out on the social media page, uh, the Gridiron Beauties. Uh, please let us know how we're doing. And, of course, if you guys do want to come on the show, please let us know, inbox us, and, uh, you know, we'll see if we can set it up. All right, Mackenzie. Absolutely. Uh, if you don't know, if you don't know what's going on, if you want to know what's going on, you go to the hub, right? Look, the hub is literally the spot to be. Like, I don't know how many times I can keep telling y'all, the hub is where it's at. Links, schedules, scores, news notes, and articles about your favorite American team, your favorite international team, NFL, college. Flag, youth, the whole nine, it's at the hub. If you don't go there to get your information, you're really just, you're missing out at this point. I mean, we're all over Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Zazzle.com, where all the no joke football products are. In fact, I just got my shirt um, Friday and I wore it to work and I was pretty stoked. So you guys need to get to the hub for all that fun stuff, all the information is there. All right. Um, Troy. Uh, what a return. Uh, welcome back. All uh, fans are excited. Got a lot of messages wondering where you were at, but you're back. And Mackenzie, as always, salty as always. And uh, we didn't get Louis being in here, but we got Holly Custis. So uh, we will be back for 293, and we're going to be recapping week four, week five in college football, and obviously everything that's happening in the women's game. Don't forget to go to the hub at facebook.com. You guys are listening to the best podcast on the planet, bar none on every large platform. So subscribe to us on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, iHeartRadio, Block Talk, uh, just anywhere you want to listen to, you can listen to us. Replace as well, over 200 episodes of Replace. And we had uh, Stevie Schnorr last week, the week before that. We had amazing guests as well. So you can always backtrack and go back and listen to the previous shows. So uh, guys, that's it. I mean, 
what a show. We got Daniel Harvey in here. Thanks for her for coming in. What a career in the LFL for her with the temptation. We talked NFL, college football, and obviously the women's recap. So a lot of happening in an hour and a half almost. Yeah, always, always a lot of football to talk, man. So uh, especially with the NFL and the college season out, I mean, everything is a full swing with these guys. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to, to coming on and talking about the college game and the NFL game next week and, of course, the ladies' games. So we'll keep you guys posted on everything. Again, shout us out on social media. Uh, give us a holler. You know, let us know how we're doing. And, and again, if you guys want to come up on, on the show, let us know. All right, Mackenzie, we're out. Anything for the last words besides go Cowboys? First of all, how about them Cowboys? Oh, also, boy. Quick quick college note, my Iowa Hawkeyes won the bye week. We had a bye week this week and then jumped four spots in the AP poll to number 14. So I, I went impressive. across the board. And I mean, I was surprised at that. I was like, how do you jump four spots and have a bye week? But that's neither here nor there. Also, um, Michigan, y'all got some work to do. Y'all got some work to do. Wow. Oh. All right. And on, on that note, on that note, we're out of here. We'll be back next week for 293. Have a great night, everybody. <laughs>